Phantom House. It's the place for podcasts. Welcome to the living room. Please make yourself at home. This week, I spoke with Deathless Gods with Human Bods. We talk about finding a collaborator, and we learn all about electronica and personality types. This episode was a delight and so much fun to record. You can find their music at deathlessgods.bandcamp.com. Lean in, dudes. It's a good one. I came across this bar in downtown LA. I forget what it's called, but it's night next to the old Nabisco factory. Oh my god. Um, but their happy hour is five dollar glasses of wine. Oh wow. And it's just like that's impressive for And all of their food is under ten dollars. Oh, I oh. love that. And they give wow. you free popcorn. I'm like, what is this magical place that wow. I stumbled upon after Anime Expo? So what's the tea? So it'll be we'll start with the song and then we'll talk and then we'll do another song and we'll talk some more and it'll keep going like that. Till we have I'm four cool. songs total. <laughs> I might. We actually we listened to your Levens episode on the way here because we're really good friends with the Levens. Okay. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they sounded really good. They did. Yeah, They're great. We love them. Oh. Fabulous. Yay. So, song first. Yeah. All right. Hey. Is this thing rolling? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Great. Do well. we introduce ourselves? I mean, we're gonna get to it. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. So <laughs> just the process. Jump in. <laughs> All right, here we go.
the trough Our halves of holes of fortunes wheel held half in snow Pour the salt on my driveway Watch it melt and run away Cool. Okay. So can we start by having you both introduce yourselves and what you play and the band? Cool. Um, hi, we're Deathless Gods with Human Bods. Uh, my name is Jade Matias Bell, and I write lyrics for the band, partially, and I sing sometimes, and I also get to play baby percussion sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Davis Avila, and uh, I do the production beeps and boops, and sometimes I write and sometimes I sing, not a whole lot, um, and I play the uke and the keyboard. Cool. Um, so how did you two meet and start this band together? Um, so we go to college together and we're currently seniors and mm. oh, we met at the beginning of freshman year. The very first week. <laughs> yeah, the very first week. Um, <laughs> we were in this uh, like, it was kind of like an alternative GE program at our school. And so right. they had um, a little outing to the Getty so everybody could get to know each other. And um, everybody was kind of like clumping into big groups, as you normally do when you're first meeting people in college. And we ended up in the same group. Um, and we learned that our birthdays were three days apart. And then we share we, a birth sign. We share yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. And then we also realized that we look like we're related, which is kind of rare for both of us because <laughs> neither of us really looks like a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And then we just like bonded a lot. I remember um, in the bus ride back from the Getty where we met, um, I was, I had been looking for someone to collaborate on music for a long time because I've been producing music for like a hot minute since I was in like middle school. <laughs> we, a hot minute ago when you were in middle ago. school. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I had the whole time I've been looking for a vocalist because like I'm not an incredible singer and like, or an incredible lyricist in any regard. So That's I was. Well, we've strides have been made, but trust and believe it was <laughs> did not start that way. So I've uh, I was asking Jade like what kind of music they liked, and uh, they were like, "Oh, actually, I'm in a I'm in a I do a band. I'm I do music." I probably said I do a band. <laughs> I have a solo project, um, uh, and it's called yeah. Night Jars. And they sent me a link, and my mind was absolutely blown. Aww. Like it's an incredible venture if you have. A hot minute in your life, you have to go and listen to nightjars-music.bandcamp.com. It's going to change Double your life. feature. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, so then, so Davis was like, I have a song that I've been working on for a while, and I would really like someone to write lyrics for it and do vocals for it. And I was like, okay, sure. And then they sent me the demo, and I, my mind was also blown, um, because I was like, this sounds like professional. It, it, that song ended up becoming TFW Hollow, and I was so blown away by the demo, and I thought, it samples a song by Kemi uh, Lyle um, called Worry one which is also a gorgeous song and i i thought that just like the way the sample had the way davis had used the sample to build the music which is also a very central part of everything they compose um i, I was so impressed with it i thought it, it was so beautiful and i was like wow i totally want to do this project and then we made that song and then we made a bunch of more other songs and davis also has solo work and it's davisonline.bandcamp.com so <laughs> we're two can play at this game <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. promo. Yeah, that's so, pretty much how we met. 
so was it like this natural thing where like after that one song just like okay let's keep writing songs or was it like a conversation like hey we should actually make this a band rather than like just splitting up and parting ways after i don't know (laughs) i mean i think because by the time we actually recorded tfw hollow we were like best friends yeah so i don't think we were like let's make this and then stop being friends um (laughs) i think we wanted to come up with a name yeah to release the song under i don't remember how this happened i do i do because you have a story I remember well, I a story about the band name. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember we were, I think I was just like, I think it's just one of those things jokingly with your friends where you're just like, oh my God, like that would make a great band name. Like, don't you think? Like yeah. I do that like every week, but, some- <laughs> but this time it was real. <laughs> um, do you want to tell it? Yeah. Would you like to hear about yeah, how we like got to, our band I would name? Love okay. To hear. All right. So <laughs> I'm an art history major, um, double majoring with archaeology, which is not as relevant to this conversation. But uh, I got that. into this. I got into those subjects because I took an AP art history class in senior year of high school, and I was already interested in it. And unfortunately, the teacher was um, not very good and uh, a source for that is that she got fired after one semester and so um, one time she had given this lecture that was supposed to be on Greek and Roman art but it didn't make any sense and halfway through she kind of stopped and just started like berating people in the class which was how most of her classes went so by the end of and she I, basically she said something like um, you know the this the era we were talking about she was like this was such a departure because it was the first time that people were imagining the gods that they worshipped as having human forms like them which is actually really that's an interesting concept and because i'm like uh, an idiot i had wrote on my notes like deathless gods with human bods like haha it rhymes <laughs> by the end of the day that was actually the only thing in my notes and so I, I found it again while i was going through my high school stuff and like the visual of that was so funny to me so i told davis this story and they were like that's a good band name and now we're here and i don't remember anything that happened in between i don't remember but, any of either of us signing off on it but you know no. we have an album out under that name so yeah. i guess it's real mm-hmm. well and it ended up having meaning too too, because also when we write songs, we're typically writing from the point of view of like characters, which is very different from each of our solo Solars, projects yeah. where we're writing about ourselves and writing in this very journalistic style. And so this is kind of our, this band is kind of our outlet to sort of be like, these are people we're inhabiting when we sing. Mm. So yeah. We're the gods, they're the bods. Uh, I think that's right. No, no. Yeah. Yes. No, we're the bods, they're the gods. That's, oh. how, that's how I always thought of it. internal conflict (laughs) tension (laughs) conflict dynamism (laughs) so then when did you two as individuals start playing music because i think you both come from very different backgrounds yeah the type of stuff you were drawn to first (laughs) um davis you go first i'll take yeah um for me music was always very central to who i mean it's central to who we all are like that's t but like for me i really like got interested in music because of like pop divas mm. because I don't know if you remember the year 2008 but it was like a s- crucial central iconic year for pop music because we had Lady Gaga's The Fame Rihanna's Good Girl Gone Bad Reloaded like the re-up came out with Disturbia an iconic track um, there was a lot happening Katy Perry's One of the Boys a lot Kesha's uh, Animal came out like the next year I remember that right <laughs> so I was like as like a little gay I was like oh my god like I'm getting my life like Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I was, um, 
I was like, how can I do this? I have to do this. So I was on GarageBand in like seventh and eighth grade, like, you know, like I have to make the hottest pop track. (laughs) And so eventually I got less into like straight up pop and I got more into like pop remixes. And that's how I got, uh, that's how I started doing electronic dance music, Mm. which I did through high school. And then it kind of got more weird and experimental. And in college, it's definitely, it's like much, I have a lot of different influences now. Uh, older, weirder, less electronic, but that's how I started. Um, I when I was a kid, I liked John Denver. <laughs> I I grew up um, listening to a lot of uh, folk music, and at my house, both of my parents really liked folk music. So, and it would be kind of like it would be like you know people who were like iconic folk musicians of the 20th century, like um, Woody Guthrie and John Denver, who were my favorites. Those were probably the first artists that I like really loved um, at the ages of like three and four. Uh, and but and they would also they played a lot of um, sea shanties. Uh, there was a guy named um, George. Oh, God, I'm going to get his name wrong. Let's just call him. Yeah. George Lot George Lawton, I think. Yeah. George, yeah. There's this guy named George Lawton who lived um, kind of in our area and he. He does like really, really beautiful folk CDs. So I listen to a lot of those, listen to a lot of like sea shanties. So obviously very different from David's. Um, I wasn't, I don't think I was allowed to listen to pop music for at least part of my childhood. Um, And so, and then I also, I started playing piano when I was four um, because I would go to my, like at my babysitter's house, she had a piano. I was obsessed with it I think I was so fascinated with the idea of just like creating sound and I loved that it was like this intricate instrument and so I played it from when I was like four to 16 I think and by the time I was 16 I had already learned I had taught myself um ukulele and guitar and was already starting to write songs so yeah um and yeah, so I've, I've always listened to like more folk stuff. I've branched out, I think, since then. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to cop out and be like, oh, I listen to a little bit of everything. But um, <laughs> I, I don't listen to a lot of pop music, which is kind of a running joke with me and Davis, because I don't know who anyone is in pop culture. <laughs> but um, I probably yeah. know too many people in pop culture, so I think it balances out. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> if we went on Jeopardy together, we would just probably completely slay the music category. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then when you two collaboed, what's the... I think I'm wondering how your, sensibil- your different sensibilities uh, complemented each other, and like when you were starting to... like write more and more songs like what were the strengths and weaknesses you found in each other and how you like bolstered each other up when we were that's writing such a good question that's great i was thinking about this on the way here okay good please say your and thoughts here's, here <laughs> this is my thought um i feel like i feel like our songs and especially the album is as a whole is like so totally us which is sort of like banal to say because like isn't every artist's art them but like i i think the like if if we're thinking about it just like the very simple like me on the production and you on the lyrics and vocals like i feel like the songs are like meticulous and detail oriented and handcrafted and dramatic and over the top (laughs) and um campy I, i think the thing that we have in common 
I think that most of the things we have in common are in the way we work. And I think that's why we work together really well, even though our influences are really different. And I think that something we share is we both work obsessively. <laughs> I think that we both, we, it's true though. Like we work yes. in this, we both like when we're, we are committed to a project, have this like insane drive and focus. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. And I, so I think that's, that's part of why it works. I think that what, what impressed me so much about Davis's work was, well, basically, I don't understand computers that well. <laughs> like any, really, anyone who's good at production is like a wizard to me, and so I think that's what I was. That's what I was like so stunned by, and I think I was. I was really impressed by the fullness of the arrangements that they were capable of creating, just like by themselves. That was like wild to me because the whole time I had been doing music, I had been like singing and playing guitar, which is like about as simple as it gets. And so I think that I. Um, it, I think that I, it made me, it made me feel so inspired, which is like corny, but it made me feel like, <laughs> it made me feel very inspired to be working with somebody who was dabbling in this like world of sound that was completely different than anything I could imagine myself doing. Um, so yeah. I got to echo that. For me, I mean, like I've just been clicking buttons right on a computer for, it has been nine years now. <laughs> and um, I had like... I had never, I mean, I had tried, I had done some like lyrical pop stuff in the day, but like as far as pop lyrics go, there's not a lot you're trying to convey. It's either I'm in love, I'm sad. I'm at the club. I'm at the club. And I'm all three. And I'm all three. <laughs> crying at the club. So when I heard Jade's solo project, what hit me the most was how incredibly handcrafted lyrics can be because mm. I had always thought about beats that way my mind always even in any song it could be like the most like basic like guitar bass drum singer like arrangement my mind is always at the production first how is it produced what does it sound like what is the musical texture but like hearing night jars and I've hearing... never thought about that in my life <laughs> <laughs> hearing night jars it was so incredible because like it doesn't I mean it the texture is there for sure but like it's the the lyrical content has so so much so many shades of gray in a nightjar song mm. and they are such a master at like <laughs> making the words pretty <laughs> i think i think a lot of that is also i didn't really mention this when i was talking about my background but um i also like have written a lot i've written a lot i was yeah. in a creative writing program for four years in high school and i've been consistently writing like poetry and fiction and non-fiction and songs since i was like probably six years old <laughs> so for me like for me writing is very much a part of music and for me like lyrics are the first thing i are the first thing i notice and think about in a song for sure which <laughs> is probably why i don't listen to every single thing ever you mm -hmm. know but like but i do listen to like freak folk and i actually i love listening to rap because obviously a rapper pays a yeah, lot of attention to their lyrics there's a lot yeah. of density there yeah <laughs> so i think that really the more word density is in a genre the more likely that i'll enjoy it and i think but, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I think that is what accounts for how insanely maximal our sound is. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because I'm a production Long maximalist. Short. And you're a lyrical maximalist. <laughs> yeah. And We're bringing just... you the most of everything. So extra. <laughs> and then when you say, like, this obsessiveness, when you're writing, like, how does that actually materialize? Like, what does that mean specifically? 
Um, Would you like to scalp me? Mm, oh, yeah. Okay, so are we are we talking about each other's obsessive work <laughs> I mean, ethics? That's how you want to go. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. So, uh, da- Davis will be like, I made a demo of a song, like in the in the early afternoon, and I'm like, okay, going about my day. I'll listen to it when I get home. And then by the time I get home, Davis is like, okay, I made three more. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then the next morning at like probably five in the morning, I get a text that's like, okay, so I just made like eight demos. Um, they're in the Dropbox. Like you can listen to them whenever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. And Davis, Davis describes it as like, like falling into a metaphorical non-ketamine induced K-hole where it's like the only thing they can focus on. But yeah. also... That's how I feel about my own work. Truly. Yeah. When Jade, like, like I have seen Jade, like, like for TFW Hollow, truly. Yeah. I was so blindsided. <laughs> so I sent them this demo and like, I don't know, like, I'll like, a minute later, it was it's not like insane and immediate like the way that I am, but like I like read these lyrics and I am completely, like, completely blindsided. Like I they were almost like all the lyrics you see in the first verse and yeah, the chorus. Actually, yeah. And everything you hear except for the beginning part of the second verse mm-hmm. was written in that like first go. Like it was all that's true, actually. there and it was all perfect. <laughs> it's, that's not always the way that I write songs, but strangely, I feel that um, I feel that I write songs for Deathless Gods much more quickly than I write songs for Night Jars. And actually, just the other week, we were going over new demos and I was like, OK, I'll listen to this demo that you've been reminding me to listen to. And then I listened to it once and then about three minutes later i was like mm, here's like 75 percent of a song i think it's like pretty good yeah <laughs> truly so, I mean, you know I, I end up editing but i think that i think that like I, and i think that a lot of that is a testament to like how like like davis's arrangements are like even when it's just a demo are like so like rich like it feels like i'm walking into a world and then it feels like i can walk into the character that's the narrator and i already know so much about them from just like listening to it mm. um and so and i think that when that character like, it's like I can already see the outline of that character there when I listen to it. I think it makes it a lot easier to get a lot of the lyrics, yeah. at least roughly out in the first draft. Yeah, there's already so, so much that's already there. They're like, okay, well, then yeah. I can just, like, put all this on top of yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I don't know. And I, I think that also, like, because to me, the character of the narrator is always, like, so fully present in the sound, it makes me much more engaged when I perform because I feel like I'm inhabiting them. Like, I'm somebody, like, in an opera or a musical. <laughs> and I'm and I'm singing through them, and I, I feel for them, and yeah. Whereas opposed to your own stuff, where it's, like, you more of, like, wading yeah. through your yeah. own, like... Yeah, it's sort of, like, it's interesting because... Who am I? Yeah, because, like, the songs that I write for my solo project are about my life, some of them are more fictionalized than others. A few of them are not about my life at all, but I do think that it just it just feels different. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm playing a character. It feels more like I'm I'm reading a short story that I wrote. Um and it's not exactly the same. But yeah. I would have to that is you've never said it like that, but that is <laughs> such tea. Whenever I create demos, like I'm always trying like I am mood centric. It's, it's true. Mood. No, it's and that, that makes it really easy to write for. I love mood lighting. I love mood production. And so, but I think like I, I've been like that, like my whole like creative career, but really finding Jade, like it was like really finding someone that I trusted, that I knew was detail oriented enough to enter these little worlds that I made and like mm-hmm. notice things and pull them out in the lyrics in a really intelligent way. Like, they're really, really good at that. <laughs> Truly. And I think you can hear that in any of our songs. It's yeah. just, like, the, the the most, like, the least obvious but most telling things they will pull out and put Damn. together in a very beautiful way. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think that I think that just like having that creative trust is like really, really central to having a successful creative project with anybody. And I think that like I trust Davis so much to know because because also there are some demos that we've kind of made where we've talked about a concept before the demo's actually been made. And then Davis is like, here's, you know, this is based on that idea that we had. And like it 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 seems it feels to me like they always know exactly like which touches to put where to make something both like sound very balanced from a production standpoint, but also to like convey the really specific thing we're trying to convey. <laughs> and so I like I I was I was joking to our friend earlier today, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about the interview because we just have like one brain cell that we pass back and forth. <laughs> but it's like it's kind of true. And like it's but it's, it's so wonderful to like have people in your life with whom you're like, mm-hmm. yes, like I understand exactly what yeah. you're thinking. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Can you play something else first, please? Sure. <gasps> would you like to hear that very first song <laughs> that we made that one fateful day? Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do that for you. Cool. Um, I think I do. Great. This one is TFW This Hollow. is called TFW Hollow. Sorry, I meant to say that. <laughs> she's got a man she's promised love, honor, and... Bat window, see them in the backyard louder than my own heart. White horse, high horse, flaming pumpkin head. I was an empty headed girl, black eyed, and both my elbows bruised. Never once did I hit the ground running. I've got one eye on the tomb. I've got one eye on the room. One eye on the right through I nursed your pride I wound the wound I was raised online so I can never go outside I'll find another seat to swallow I wanna be hollow hollow oh I'll drink me right I think I'm running out of time so let the follow 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 And she's promised to love, honor, and... What? 
superstitious little bastard sons of bitches Oh, your body or the mercy of the earth I was raised online So I can never go outside I'll find another seed to swallow I wanna be hollow, hollow Oh, I'll drink me right I think I'm running out of time So let the fellow, fellow follow My head's heavy but it's hollow, hollow Oh White horse, high horse, flaming pumpkin head I see it all comes back to this My knuckles knocking on your grave I see you safe within the window But you were wrong, it isn't safe And now I'm hanging up my coat The wire's cold, but I don't care I'll be as hollow as you're rotten You won't remember I was there But I Thanks. That's a very good song. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I want, I'm glad you brought up the like idea of how there's like these songs are very full because when I first listened to this band, I was, when you listen to any electronic bass band, it's always a question of, okay, are these songs going to feel like they have a lot of breath or are they going to be very like one sort of thing? Right. And I'm always pleased when I hear a band that has a lot going on because that's the type of music that I like. Um, so I'm, th- I'm wondering, um, like how you go about achieving that sort of sound and like, cause I know you care a lot about like sample use. I do. So <laughs> I do. can you please tell me about, that. about that? Oh, I love it. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I grew up listening to, like I said, a lot of, and making a lot of electronic dance music for a long time. And when you're doing EDM, like the whole, I think a lot of people and with a lot of like classic EDM or like electronic dance music like techno and house like the whole thing about techno and trans is that like you with trance you're like you're doing like you're put, putting people into a trance and so like you it has to be like really repetitive and the same tone the whole way through for like seven minutes because that's what people dance to but yeah that's that's all thing is it's supposed to be dance music so exactly there's Consistency. never <laughs> there's never one moment where the beat should drop out or anything like that but what I love about pop music is it takes those like high energy moments. But in a pop song, there is always like, uh, I don't like musical and emotional like dynamics, moments of quietness, which accentuate like the explosions. It's mm-hmm. all about building up and releasing. And that's what EDM, that's like, that is like, I think you can tell like my EDM roots in the way that I build up and release on some of these songs. Cause it'll, especially on jiggle, like it'll be, oh, yeah. it'll be like a build up and then like a crash. But I think I got tired of EDM because it's like the same seven snares. It's the same <laughs> five bass synths, you know, wub, wub, wub or whatever. <laughs> and EDM <laughs> destroyed. EDM <laughs> found dead after this one simple comment. <laughs> um, and I, what I really began to get into in college was uh, like lounge music and exotica, and so sampling that in, and you hear that on Destrudo for sure. Oh yeah, I love the textures because it's like it's dramatic, and it doesn't need to be like hitting you in the face with a baseline to like be moody and have a vibe. And so 
to me, lushness is not just like a lot of sound all the time at, at all different registers. It's like, it's an emotional thing. And it's like creating, if you create a, like an emotional space that is populated with a lot of different accents or textures or just feels, that's so like, that is so amorphous to say, but <laughs> that's sort of how I feel about it. Yeah. And then you have like, I think you talked about and like a, another thing I found online <laughs> was the like the, the dual context of a sample and how there's oh, like yeah. the original context versus the sampled in context. For sure. And I'm wondering how like how and where that applies in your in this band's music. And if you can think of any specific thing that jumps right. to your mind, I would love to hear about that because I think that's a really interesting take. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, for sure. I have been sampling since like. In GarageBand, I w- when I was making pop music, like the GarageBand drum sets, I'm a very percussive person, like percussive based. You can hear it in all my productions. It's all just like a bunch of percussion. Uh, the drum sets in GarageBand sucked like ass. So bad. Horrible. Like they sounded so <laughs> flat and so small and like no pop music sounded like that. So I was like, where do I get the good pop drums? And so I ended up just ripping them off of dance tracks. Like I would take like the exposed the, the, the bass drum kick from like the extended intro of the like Britney Spears give me more like club remix <laughs> and put that with like the snare from like the Rihanna like bum ba dum bum club hit or whatever. And then like that's how I would make it. And so my entire production career has just been me low-key stealing um uh, William of, Shakespeare also stole so we all steal paying homage <laughs> to um these to to just like the and not even like large chunks just like the smallest little musical textures that I could get my hands on because I wanted to sound big and I had a very small setup so that has followed me the whole way and I'm always like I'm always digesting culture as we all are but whenever I'm like watching anything on YouTube or listening to anything in like a shopping mall, I'll be like, oh, if there's like a little moment in there where I'm like, oh, that's okay. I could see that. I just, I'll like, I'll capture it or I'll remember it or I'll try to find it later. And what is so interesting to me about dual contextuality is that samples are mixed because they, they exist Always when you hear a sample, and if it's a recognizable sample for sure, you hear it in its original context. You can hear the texture that is different than the rest of the song texture. You can hear the grain if it's an old thing. And you're like, oh, that existed in some previous existence. You may even know it. But then you're also hearing it as it's part of the song. And so when you he- you're hearing this thing that has these two like chunks of information as this one synthesized thing, I think as a mixed person, I just relate a lot with that. Mm. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you have we exist in dual context as well. Yeah. That's true. So that's that's that on that. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. then Jade, like you have all this like stuff that's laid out for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know you have conversations about like a tone you're trying to achieve before you have a song and then you have this like base and then you work on top of that. I'm wondering like what, you, what, when you hear something, like what do you pull from, from your own personal like idea of what a, the song should be? And then how do you apply that to? Um, so I, th- I think it's like, I think it's, it's always more complicated than just like, Oh, Davis makes the yeah, I know. music. <laughs> but, right? And sing. Right. So typically, it's hard to put into words. Yeah, so typically it ends up, it, it's, it, the song will sort of like, 
be passed back and forth between us many times. So I will get a demo and then I'll be like, here's the lyrics I came up with. Can you please like, you know, like add here, can you, could you add like some more bars like right here? Because I think it sounds, you know, I want, I want to fit in this much information for the verse and then we go into the chorus. And so then, because Davis also primarily works with loops. And so that makes it very easy to do that. But so, you know, the lengths of certain parts will be adjusted and then, you know, we'll sort of talk about like, you know, well, you know, in the bridge, do we actually need this element? Can we replace it with this? What would happen if we change that? And so a lot of times when we are, um, obviously I'm always there when we're recording, but um, that means that I also end up having some input on like the mixing stage and the stage of just like assembling the song. I think it's super fun. I think it feels like doing a jigsaw puzzle with somebody. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so it's it's kind of like, and also because we we have such different backgrounds, I think that's like very helpful. And um yeah, so it's it's kind of it's kind of like we're like playing catch with the song almost. And um and you know, a lot of times one of us will bring up, you know, Davis will bring up an idea that's like, "Oh, well, here's what I had in mind when I was making this." And I'm mm. like, "Oh, wait, that's a great idea. It'll end up influencing the lyrics." Or I will write something in the lyrics where Davis is like, "I think that's amazing." And then it affects the sounds that they will end up choosing in the final product. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, it's like us like building a beautiful house <laughs> together out of like toy Legos or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I also like, I love that a lot of the songs are are based on samples. Um, I think that, I think it's super cool. Uh, and, I, and I also think that like the dual contextuality is so reflected in like the whole concept behind this band and it's reflected yeah. in a lot of the narratives because like I'm also a mixed person so I've had I most of my experiences with identity have been you know have been in a dual context type of thing and I think that a lot of our songs are not like I think TFW Hall is a really prime example of this because it's not a song about like being two-faced but it is sort of a song about like it's a song about keeping a secret from somebody and it's a song about like trying to not be manipulated by somebody. And so I think that like, I think that like the concept of dual context is like baked into the samples, which are baked into the music. And then a lot of times the story that the lyrics are conveying, that's like the tension at the center of it too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And can you tell me more about like, cause you, you were mentioning these characters that you inhabit as part of this project. And I think a lot of that is probably related to how, um, this al- the album is like you said I've you've re- I've read that it was about like the Enneagram yeah. personality yes. test and correct <laughs> you are correct so I want to know more about like that concept and like oh, yeah. how all this fits together um well Jade Matias Bell speaking of obsession Jade <laughs> Matias oh, Bell gosh. is responsible for getting me up and all the people I know. By proxy, and all the people I know, <laughs> obsessed with the Enneagram. If you have not heard of it, it is the this nine uh, this nine types personality test. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably explain it's, it better. So it's kind of a, it's like a personality system. Um, yeah. The lineage is really interesting and weird. Um, it has some roots in like Jungian theories. Um, a lot of the people who were like in kind of Jung's circle were like pretty into it um and then uh yeah it's it's sort of it's sort of i mean it's influenced by a lot of different like mystic traditions so there's like then strangely a lot of people who are fans of the enneagram are like very christian which like neither of us is right but i think it's really interesting that they take this thing you know that's like that has roots that 
are partially Christian, but partially very not Christian because there's, you know, there's elements of Buddhism in there and there is, you know, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, and like the tarot influenced it somewhat. And so the, if you Google Enneagram, you'll probably see this like weird looking, like kind of spiky shape in a circle, (laughs) which was developed, um, Basically, the, there's like, there's not, there's like, nobody even agrees on who developed the final iteration of the Enneagram, which is sort of wild. But um, <laughs> there was a Bolivian guy named Oscar Ischau who basically, and I think this was Oscar Ischau, please, please don't come for me if this is like factually wrong. I'm <laughs> close to wig off. So basically, uh, he kind of took this theory of like, the nine of like nine different ego fixations a person could have and mapped them onto this shape, yeah. which became the Enneagram. So it's, it's uh, the way I explain it is it's a personality test, but um, instead of Myers-Briggs, which kind of explains more like how you behave, the Enneagram is about your deep motive, your deepest motivations. Mm-hmm. So somebody, two people who have the same Enneagram type could seem like two completely different people, but they're motivated by the same thing. So like, you know, you can have two people who are, um, Enneagram type threes, which means they're motivated by achievement, but achievement looks different for everybody, you know? So one person might act totally different from the other, but, but the, what the Enneagram sort of saying is like, you know, you, this is your core motivation basically. And then, um, the types are all connected by lines. And so the way it is, is that for each type, there's one they're connected to that they disintegrate to, which means when they're not as psychologically healthy, they'll pick up the qualities of, you know, one type. And then there's another one that they integrate to. So when they are psychologically healthy, they'll pick up the qualities of another type. And so it's also kind of showing that like all of these different types are connected and they can be grouped in all these different ways. And are fluid. Um, Yeah. I'm a, I'm a very organized person. So I'm like, I love how this is organized. It's beautiful. (laughs) I think it's like, it's an aesthetically pleasing personality test, but yeah. So I got into it and I, I was, I came across it at a time when I hadn't really written a lot of fiction for a really long time. And I was like, this is such a fascinating way to think about other people, um, whether in the context of creating fiction or just trying to like be a better person. So, yeah. I think that's key because I think the one of the most important things behind any character and thus any story or narrative is motivation. Yeah, that's and true. <laughs> so in making, so like we had some songs already done. In fact, both of the songs you just heard were both done before we even That's had a true, glimmer actually. of yeah. any idea of making an album. And then one day we were walking to my house and I was like, okay, so like, we were like, we were deep into this hole where we were just Enneagram type anyone and anything. Like any musical artist we liked, any famous person, like what is Bjork? Like what is Mitski? So we were, um, we were walking home and I was like, okay, so what is TFW Hollow? If mm-hmm. that song had to be an Enneagram number and you said two. I said, yeah, I said the narrator of TFW Hollow is a two, which if you know the Enneagram may sound surprising to you, but I have an argument for it that won't make sense unless you know about the Enneagram. But yeah, but TFW Hollow is basically because so the Enneagram type two is um i think they're called like the giver the giver the helper yeah the giver or the helper that's like their archetype name and they're people who are motivated by making everybody around them feel loved and comfortable yeah and the downside is that they think that that's the only way that they'll ever actually be deserving of those people's like love and affection and so they have this fixation on doing that and directing all their energy outward but on the inside they don't treat themselves very well and um yeah. and they they often have like you know in their mind they tell themselves a story that's like oh i just give and give and give to everyone around me and like no one ever gives anything back and like i'm such a martyr and that's what you know and that's what makes me deserving of the love that i'm not getting and um and so then that narr- checks out with that song yeah, yeah. i mean that's the, that's the that's the narrator's story but like tfw hollow is like that 
person who has then like just snapped. completely snapped um, <laughs> and and has become this person who is you know realizing like i gave up i gave my entire life to somebody who didn't give me anything back and like where am i now yeah and that's sort of what the song's about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so then who's this narrator it's character. not me, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah uh, so you're saying like that there's these characters that you both write in for yeah. these songs. Who is they? Like, what is... <laughs> well... So the... Oh, I was going to say, well, the demo title for this, TFW Hollow, it came out of, like, like all of my demo titles are extremely stupid and have no meaning behind them. And most of them become the song titles. <laughs> Anyways, we love that. <laughs> that happened on most of the songs of this album. Um, but TFW Hollow, it was, like, that meme a while ago, like, TFW, like, that feeling when. God, it hasn't aged well. Has not aged well, but... That feeling went hollow because I was like, murp, murp, like I'm like, <laughs> I'm hashtag like empty, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I, sent the, I sent that to Jade and then they read something completely different in it. Yeah. So actually, I um I was just thinking about the word hollow and the story, the narrator is sort of based on the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which I brushed up on before writing this. But so and it. it I, I thought I thought that the song had this very like woodsy feel to it, um, which already made me think of that. There's the line "Flaming Pumpkinhead" is a reference to a song by the Microphones, um, which is you know also incorporates kind of that imagery. Uh, and but you didn't know that I didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, huh? Um, because <laughs> my song. Yeah, because uh, that's sort of folk music. But um, that was like my little <laughs> Phil Elverum homage, uh, legally okay. legally required. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was think I was reading it and I was thinking about the character of the like the female protagonist in that story who kind of like I mean in like as in with a lot of myths she's kind of just like this woman who just gets thrown around basically in the story with all these yeah. horrifying things happening and she's set up to be married to this like terrible man and then as far as I remember I think she ends up getting married to him anyway. Yeah. I don't really remember how the story goes. It's a weird story. It is. But I just remember thinking about thinking about that like archetype of like the kind of like nothing heroine who's in so many stories who just gets like thrown against the walls of the story over and over in this this, this, like awful merciless way and like doesn't really get to be a character and is sort of just like this plot device to you know like to make things not gay you know or to like (laughs) to make things wholesome and when you think of like any old like fairy tale like yeah exactly the heroine character just there to tell you the moral yeah, yeah. Like if you yeah, do exactly. like if you do the bad thing like she did then you will be eaten by the monster or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, and so TFW Hollow was kind of written from this like mindset of like okay, like y- like here's your fucking moral, you know? Like yeah. I I you know, I I didn't get to be my own person and like fuck that basically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's that. A lot of times the characters are sometimes the characters like really clear like this one was like Katrina from the TFW Hollow or from the Hollow Sleepy is her name, Hollow. Her name Katrina? Yeah, her name is Katrina. Katrina. Should know that. Yeah. No, I remember that. I remember that now. Okay. Yeah, TFW is- Hollow is one of the more character-driven songs. In all of them, we have a narrator in mind. But sometimes they're um, not. Like for Destrudo, we knew that the character faked her own death. We knew that she was like an aging, like old Hollywood starlet. She was a small-time criminal. And a small-time with her partner criminal. who she's broken up with. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's <laughs> Up to you, the audience. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, those are good details. Like, what other details could you want? Yeah. I mean, for Salt, it's really unclear. Salt is just someone having a great day. Yeah. Salt, I mean, Salt (laughs) salt is really just about, like, 
I it's it's sort of you know sort of like a like the winter is ending literally or metaphorically for me. Yeah, um, acknowledgement that things happen in cycles and that there are peaks and troughs. But, yeah, but that we should we can celebrate the peaks. We're allowed yeah. to. And the narrator of salt is still a character. It's just we were less specific about them. Yeah, yeah. Well then, so this is interesting because if all of the songs are different personality types, I noticed there's ten songs. Ah, ah, but there are. Ah, there Good are. eye. <laughs> Davis, please tell us the story of the 10th song. Okay, so so we were going to release this album. We had like a specific like date in mind and we were working up to the last minute. Like Destrudo, oh we were writing as we were recording <laughs> we were it, like in my room recording. that night. Like what would work here? We got we got to find lyrics. So I w- we were like, we did, we finally did it. We were like, oh my God, we we're, were done. In this like panicked fugue state. <laughs> it was like survival mode. I I was singing there like screaming the I was yeah I was like s- screaming the bridge like channeling Florence Welch like don't let me down now <laughs> yeah oh my, and so when we finished it was like oh my god like huge weight lifted off our shoulders like this is so great but then I had to go and be Davis Avila and be like okay well also I have this demo would you check this out and I loved it I really <laughs> no seriously I don't know if we've ever done that song live it's called open it's the last song on the album but I really adored that demo and I was like I I mean, it's a 10th song, like we can't really do another Enneagram type. But then I was thinking about how one of the things I like about the Enneagram is that it doesn't tell you like, this is like who you are and like, ta-da, now you know. It's sort of like, this is the person you could become if like, you know, if basically if you don't get your shit together and like, (laughs) here's the, but here's like the, here's like your, every type has like a core virtue. And so it's like, it's sort of like, here's like what you have to teach other people. And here's like the side of yourself that like you can like nurture and so um so that song sort of ended up being about like and because also the whole thing with the enneagram is they say like your personality is not who you are it's describing like the psychological prison that you're in basically and and that's why like you shouldn't over identify with your type because the whole point in a sense is to escape it um and so that's kind of what that song ended up being about um Yeah. yeah i remember just like the i remember i am i'm a four and I felt so. Yeah, I if if <laughs> listeners out there, if you know, you know, um, I am a total four. And so I remember just like incredibly identifying with that because it's like fours love to feel special. They're the special snowflakes. They like, they like to, to feel be different sad. for different sake. They like to be sad. They they, they milk like to be sorrow. Dramatic. They milk Everything sorrow. Everything has to be beautiful. Okay, well I'm scalpless. <laughs> um, they milk sorrow for artistry. And so I was like, damn, if that ain't me, but. Then one day Jade came to me with this this thing that was like, oh, and by the way, because the whole Enneagram book builds up and builds up and it's like telling you like all of these different metrics and all of these different like levels. And it's like, it's really intense. And then it's like, it builds up to being like, oh, and by the way, it's all fake. <laughs> by the way, yeah. like, you don't have to be this. Yeah, this ain't the, you. La- the last chapter of, of the book that I usually like, that I like usually use to like, ask, like figure out people's enneagrams if they want to know. The last chapter is like, psych! Like, we were I mean, just, yeah. Like, that's how you know it's a good book then, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, I think that's probably my favorite thing about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also, I feel like now I should say this, I'm an enneagram type one, and like, completely. so my ones out there, you probably guessed that. But. <laughs> so the 10th song was, it was your own, like, we're throwing it all out. Yeah, yeah. like, I hope you've enjoyed, like, looking at these different personality archetypes but also like just so you know like these aren't who we are it's a celebration of who we are that's beautiful yeah no it kind of is it kind of is i think it's also just saying i think it's just saying like um you know i hope you've enjoyed you know hearing from 
all of these different people. And like, I mean, I, I think of it as sort of like, it's like, we're all on a journey, <laughs> like, which is like equally cheesy, but like, yeah, it's, it's true. That is it's sort an of what album it is. It's an album closer. What album closer is not cheesy. That's true. Yeah. I think it also, as I think in a way, because there are lines in there that draw on all of the other songs because we wrote it last. And so I think in a way it also is sort of like highlighting like the interconnectedness of the Enneagram and yeah. the, even though the characters are not really related to each other, a lot of them have aspects of their conflicts that are, are similar. Yeah. So I think that we also wanted to like highlight that as we were making our dramatic exit <laughs> sonically. <laughs> Everything about that album is dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it is. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was all very good because like I'm like I decided not to do research on the Enneagram before I talked to you, so you could tell me. All do about it now. It. I want to know what your type is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We could probably type you if we got some more deets. <laughs> I believe like, it. That sounds like so like that sounds so intense. Threatening. <laughs> We're gonna type you. We're gonna figure out your personality at your own pace. Only if you want to do it. <laughs> Can you play something else for us, please? Yeah. Yeah. This um, one is, I think, can only be described as a party bop about a problematic pizza chain. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the the character in this one is, as I'm sure you can guess, basically at a really horrendous birthday dinner. Yeah. And um, their Enneagram type is nine. So to my nines out there, <laughs> this, this one's for you. This one's for all you. My mom's a nine. This is for you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> We love you. Aww. Aww. Okay, let me get this up. Oh, by the way, this is called Jiggle. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the titles that was, I was just stupidly called a thing, and then it just ended up being called that. Yep. <laughs> we love. <laughs>
sing happy birthday? Does anybody know? Does anybody know? Does anybody know how to sing happy birthday? Does anybody know? Does anybody know? Anybody know how to sing happy birthday? I forgot. <laughs> fun <laughs> we're having a lot of fun i don't know if you can tell yeah oh i love doing that song it's a good that's a fun one yeah that's a super fun one <laughs> fabulous which is great because i was gonna ask for both of you what's your favorite song to play in this band <gasps> that's such a good question davis go, davis you go first <laughs> okay mine has got to be it's got to be distrudo why <laughs> oh well it's good sketch you asked i um love drag I love doing drag. I love drag culture. I love drag. Um, and anybody that's seen us live would know that I always turn out like crazy looks. They're great looks. I love doing it. Oh One God. time I performed in a sheet mask with like crazy red makeup underneath. One time I did like a full white face and smeared red lipstick on. Like it's tons of it's tons of fun. Clown vibes. Clown vibes. And you had a bright blue Coraline boots. wig. It was iconic. Yeah. Um. And so for Distrudo, it's like the intro of the song is like this crazy lounge sample. And so it's like this just it's it's just so fun to lip sync. And so I always like smear on lipstick like on stage right before that happens. And then I go out there and I do this like crazy lip sync and then I get to come back. And the baseline that I play on that song is so much fun. It's just like for me, it's just the most like campy, crazy, loungy, like my everything I love about the band. I like, oh, okay, fine. This is a cop out. I think my favorite song is TFW Hollow because um, people respond so well to it. It's usually yeah. like if if people are at the show and they've only heard one song of ours, it's probably TFW Hollow. Yeah. Um, and so I love like, I love like the energy of the crowd. Like when we sing that, like when they know <laughs> we're about to do that one. And I think that also to me, 
that one, it feels like performing like a musical theater song. Um, and so I think it's very fun because that's one of the songs where I feel like I'm fully in the character and I've done it so many times that I, I know the character so well. And even though it seems weird to say this about like a four minute song and not like an actual show, I, I, I feel like I've gained a deeper understanding of like that character's complexities and just like the whole, you know, the whole self that she has in my head, in my head. And so, um, and it's, I feel like it's a very, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a very like the heroine's finally snapped type of song. <laughs> so I, yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun to sing. So yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> and then I'm glad you brought up the fact that you put on a show when you play a show. Yo, when it's a show, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a show. No, when yeah, it rains, we, pours. We, we do like full costumes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've gone on stage like one time I was wearing this like weird veil like over my face pretty much the whole time and I looked like a like I looked like a banshee sort of it was fun um one time we did a show where I was wearing like a velvet bodysuit and I'd drawn on a mustache that was good that was great I don't know if we've ever repeated a look which makes it sort of exhausting for me but, <laughs> but Davis is really good at it so I'm Davis Davis, Davis styles me sometimes one and time, I've never regretted it <laughs> one time I did like like you know how like moths have like the big eye spots that on their one back was so good to like ward off predators like I do that on my face where I just like draw my eyeballs like this and put like a little black yeah. dot in here so it's fun I yeah. like having fun I think shows are fun and should be fun and I like fun and that's me <laughs> yeah I don't know I mean I, I want people I want people to feel like cause I don't want our even though our music is so like maximalistic and like in many ways esoteric and in its influences I don't want people to feel like they can't get into it because of that exactly. and so I really I, I don't know if doing wild costumes helps or hinders that purpose, but, <laughs> but I, I, I want people to feel like everybody is welcome to just like have a good time at the Deathless God show. And yeah, because like that's I think that, you know, that's like that's like why I've enjoyed going to shows all through high school and college is because like even if it's like a band I've never heard or a genre I don't like or I'm going with people I don't know that well, I always have fun. And so, yes. and I think that it's like, I mean, really, and just for all the reasons that music is so important to human culture because it's just like it's so cathartic to like listen to loud sounds with other people and like dance at the same time as them or like feel the same thing as them and yeah i don't know and also uh i don't know if i'm if i can say this for davis halloween is my favorite holiday <laughs> and so basically the more times i get to pretend it's halloween per year yeah. like the yeah. happier i am <laughs> uh i did know that okay good yeah <laughs> just checking <laughs> Cool. And then, like, what's the best show you've ever played? And what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened at a show you've played? <gasps> um, we were thinking about the best show. I think we have different answers. I think we have different answers for this question. Davis, totally first, okay Davis and fine. <laughs> One of my favorite shows that we've ever played, it was at, it was a house party. It was called Pink House. This is the one with which I was wearing the blue Coraline wig. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like small. It was in someone's backyard in like this garage. And it was, was for a friend's birthday. It's, it's, a friend for, of, it's for a friend of Legra's birthday. Yeah, who was a mini mall. Oh, yeah, here. she's been on the show. She has <laughs> been on the show. We love Allegra. <laughs> yeah. So we played her birthday, mm -hmm. and um, it was, and Savannah's too. And uh, it was like, what I loved about it was just the energy of that crowd. It was just like, it was all, it was like, it was great. There was tech difficulties and then we were all stressed, like getting up to it. Mm -hmm. But then like when we got on stage, like I like looked out and there was just a bunch of like people I like loved, like all yeah. of my friends from like different places, all of Jade's friends, like 
were all there and a bunch of other people too. And it was just like, just like, like seeing people that I love and sharing the music that I love with those people. Like that was like, it was, it felt like I was like caring for everyone there by yeah. like giving this present to them. And that was really cool. For it was, me. that was like, that show had a really, really good vibe. That means that my favorite show I played. I don't know. I did. I did really love that one. We also played. Uh, we played our friend Eden's birthday party. Eden's also been on the show as part of the Lovins, and so we <laughs> we played a show where the Lovins also played, and then our friend Rhiannon read some poetry. And who it was, was also on the show. Who was also on the show? It was also. It was also kind of her birthday because her birthday's near Eden's. So that was at junior high, and I liked. I was nervous for that oh, one. Oh, that show. Were yeah, you, you, you were I didn't there. go to that show, oh, okay. but I wanted to go to that show. <laughs> well, it was. A, well, get ready. You're about to. I'm about to describe some of it to you. Um, so that was one where I was really nervous about it because everybody who's involved with junior high is much cooler than I'll probably ever be. <laughs> I still love being there and going there and it was an honor to get to play. And yeah. we've also, had we played a gig with the Levens before? Cause I think we, I've, I've played gigs with the Levens as night I jars. Had. Okay. That's yeah. how I met the people in the Levens was I played a show with them and now I'm like friends with them, which is awesome. But, um, so it was, it was really cool to do that show. And I think I was nervous at the beginning because there were a lot of people there who had never heard of our band or heard our band. And yeah. I was wondering if they were going to like our band because the Levens are like very punk. And there's some people who are like, I will listen to punk. I will not listen to whatever the heck you guys are doing. Yeah. But punk. I felt like people were like very into it. Like they were very yeah. open to like listening to us and like we got people to dance. Um, I liked the venue setup because I didn't have a mic stand. So I felt like I could kind of like, you know, run around a little bit more, which was fun. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was just a very positive vibe. And we also had a lot of friends at that show too. Um, and they were very supportive. Um, yeah, I think it also felt cathartic cause that was the, it was like right at the end of the year. So I was like, we're, you know, and that was the year we released our album. So I was like, yeah, we're ending 2017 on a high note. It was fabulous. So, yeah. um, what's the weirdest thing we've ever had happen at a show? Well, I was just going to say one of the things that marks all of these shows is we have this group of people that we love dearly who will come to our shows no, and scream so to us. the chorus of Jiggle. <laughs> And honestly, they're the MVPs. Like they're they the really real ones. are. They'll like stand in the front row and yell the lyrics, and I love it. <laughs> we and need I love more of them. it. <laughs> it's really good. Um, Do you know? Like, are these your friends? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, okay, I meant to say that they're our friends. They're not like <laughs> random people. But well, I was um, saying it's impressive if you already got like that core group of fans, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, there there are a couple of people who I met because they came with our friends to one of the shows and we're also standing in the front row yelling the lyrics. Yes. And then after the show, we're like, hi, like, you know, like it's, you know, my name and I love your songs. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. So yeah, yeah not strangers anymore. I don't know what the weirdest thing is. Yeah, but that was less weird and more endearing. That was endearing. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're usually the ones doing the weird thing. Yeah, we're the weird <laughs> thing that happens to our shows, I yeah. think. <laughs> because also, I can't imagine, like, you're like, I'm going to go to this house party. You know, I'll drink a couple beers and hang out in someone's yard. Oh, my God. There's someone with clown makeup lip syncing to lounge music. I'm really, like, yeah, scared. What's happening? So probably we're the weird thing that's happened to people. Yeah. Is but... that is that fool in high-waisted jeans doing a sheet mask <laughs> during their set? I guess so. You wow. bet they are. <laughs> are their friends securing the sheet mask to their face with a complicated system of knots and string? <laughs> yes, they are. 
<laughs> oh, thank you so much for that. We're never doing that again. It was awful. <laughs> I was really scared you were going to like suffocate. We're oh not doing God. it it's again. Cloth? Paper? It's paper. It's paper. You just need more prep is what I'm It's wet guessing. paper. It's wet paper that we tied to your face with strings. Because no, we you love just needed you. more prep. You needed the the string pre-tied, so then you can just put I know. it on. Oh yeah, you know what? I'm, the next idea is like, have you seen those masks? They're like LED masks for your skin, and like you put it on, and it looks like like you're like a crazy ass like mummy, like face <laughs> I've off. Actually, never seen this. No, I don't know. Well, it's oh my god, they look you look insane. I always saw them in like the Sky magazines, which were <laughs> the number one source of culture that I took as a kid. <laughs> That was the only magazine my parents would let me read. <laughs> Number one style inspo. Sky, Sky Mag. Um, Sky Mall. Sky Mall. Sky Mall. Sky Mall. Mm-hmm. Honestly, shout out to Sky Mall. You don't Mall. see those anymore. They went out of business. Did they really? Yeah. But like, number one, our next album concept is just different Sky Mall products. That's Ooh, not that's true. Funny. Davis is feeding you misinformation. Spread, it, spread that rumor. You, the listener, are being lied to. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that's that on that. <laughs> do you guys feel good? Yeah. Yeah. I'm do you feel a great good? Time. I do feel good. Good. Thank <laughs> you. This has been a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so, so, so much for having us. This yeah. is so, so much this fun. This was awesome. Thank you. Where can people find your music online? Um, deathlessgods.bandcamp.com. Um, and we're also on Facebook. Just look for Deathless Gods with Human Bods. No one else has our band name. Yeah. And we're keeping it that way. I think so don't we're get any at- funny ideas. <laughs> we're at Human Bods on Facebook. Yes. Um, we are also at Human Bods on Twitter. Um, we're at Deathless Gods on Bandcamp. Yes. I think we're Deathless Gods on SoundCloud, too. So, Deathless Gods or Human Bods. Just look them. Look, Just look, look them for them up. both. Bandcamp is probably best, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That yeah. one's Deathless Gods. And if you want to book us, it's Deathless Gods with Human Bods, all of it, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you like should book us. We're based in Los Angeles. And we like to have fun. We love to have fun. I just like, like to have fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Can you play the last song for us, please? Yes, we can. I would love to. It's Destrudo. This song is going to include a lot of lip syncing that you, the view, you, the listeners, will not be able to see. It's but if you me. book us, you can, if you book us, you can see it. You can yeah. have the wonderful experience that Karina is about to have. Yeah, it's going to be so, iconic. Um, yeah. Trust, just rest assured that it's like perfect, and I'm going to hit every single note. <laughs> Um, so yeah, love that. Yep.
accident. J'ai laissé tomber mon négligé en s'implanter dans l'aquarium. J'ai fourré les récents dans le bas. Tu sais quoi Je vais faire étude de nouveau. Juste pour voir ces regards pathétiques sur ton <laughs> What's that like operatic vocal piece from? It feels very familiar. Right? That is uh, Esquibel, who I absolutely adore. Uh, composer, conductor, um, but this is not an original piece. This is from, it's a cover. Cover. It's a version that Esquibel and his, uh, his band did of Harlem Nocturne. Uh-huh. Yes. So it's like, a, it's definitely like a moody piece of music, and Esquivel is like a huge lounge name. And so, me being a lounge head was like, ooh, this is so like draggy. It's like a crazy ass drag queen. <laughs> it's like this crazy ass drag queen getting ready in her boudoir. And so, I was like, boudoir. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, we gotta make this into something crazy. And we did. We did. We really did. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming. Thank You're you welcome. So much. Thank you for having us. Yes. We had an amazing time. Good. <laughs> That's it then. We're, we're done. We're cool. Done? Wow. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Living Room. This week, our guest was Deathless Gods with Human Bods, and you can find them online at deathlessgods.bandcamp.com. The Living Room was created by Lucas Cathy and Karina Taylor, recorded by Masters and Jeremy Scott at the Palisades, and produced by Hannah Moraz. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you prefer. If you have questions or would like to chat with us, email thelivingroompodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Special thanks goes to the residents of the Palisades for dealing with our noise, and of course, thank you for listening. 